0: Last week on the Let's Get Real podcast, we talked about the New Age influence as far as the law of attraction is concerned and how it is one of the most deceptive practices that has been smuggled into the church like a Trojan horse. And of course, we mentioned that if you go and you find yourself looking and reading at personal development books or self-help uh, or listening to self-help podcasts, this one not being one, of course, but uh, or even attending personal growth seminars or anything like that, you might. Get some red flags from what you heard from last week. This week I want to continue and finish up the whole idea of the law of attraction before we start digging into more new age practices that are getting into the church. We're going to talk about the the, the background of the, the law of attraction and how it is not biblical for a Bible-believing Christian to participate in. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for coming back to the Let's Get Real podcast. My name is Rob Lundberg, and last week we did talk about the New Age backgrounds that are in the church, and I finished off that episode with reference to just some of the things that missed the mark. I listed them. What I want to do is I want to get into it a little bit more deeper this week. And uh, if you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. Now, when we talk about the details, uh, we're going to really get into the the nitty-gritty of this. So, I don't know if you remember from last week, we dealt with the whole idea that the ways, and I listed them, the ways that the law of attraction misses the mark Biblically. Now, what I mean by that is that there are people who practice the law of attraction, ask and pray to the universe or creation, but give no credit to God as the creator. Now, while the Bible refers to God with many names, it never refers to him as the universe. And of course, you know, you hear people say, well, pray that the universe will bless you today. That's not biblical. Biblical. Okay. That's not biblical. And, and, you know, I know Oprah Winfrey says that God is a jealous God. And I want, I think I, I talked about this a little bit last week with reference to the fact that you're in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend and that boyfriend or girlfriend goes and, and is fancied by another person other than you. Of course, you're going to get jealous. Why are you going to get jealous? You're going to get jealous because you love that person that has their attention drawn to something else. And that's what it means when we talk about God being jealous, because the people of Israel were going off for other gods other than worshiping the true God. And, of course... In in Exodus 34, it says, Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous god. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat with their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your, for your sons, or those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Do not make any idols. And of course, there's other scripture as well, like Psalm 115, verses 3 through 8. Our God in heaven, he does whatever he pleases, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths that cannot speak, eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, noses that cannot smell. Notice the five, several senses there. They have hands that cannot feel, feet that cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Notice all five senses there, and they can't speak as well. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And, of course, you got 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 3, and Jeremiah 2, verse 5, and Jeremiah 10, 2 through 5, and Jeremiah 10, 14 to 16, and Habakkuk 2, 7, and then verses 18 to 20 of that same uh same uh, passage in that same chapter, let me also um, invite you to go to Romans 1 and look at the fact that there are those who have a warning put against them, I guess you could say, for godlessness. And, And it says in Romans 1 that God himself will turn them over, one, to a depraved mind, number two, to depraved sexual practices, and thirdly, to approve of those who go and approve of the other two. God will turn them over. He'll give you your wish. So what we need to make sure, number one, is that we worship the creator and not the creation. Number 2, there you'll hear some people mention this thing about source energy. Source energy, uh, and you know, people who believe in the law of attraction practice tapping into and connecting to this thing called source energy in order to manifest their desires and their dreams into reality. It's it's basically reality manipulation. And then of course, Esther Hicks, a medium who channels a group of consciousness, from a non-physical dimension she calls Abraham, says this, quote, Source energy is conscious enough to focus, create, and attract. We are fortunate enough to be able to consciously apply our will to direct source energy and attract what we want, and it's, it is intimately, infinitely, always responding to your requests, no matter how great or small they may be deemed by you or anyone else who is observing them. There is nothing so big that source energy cannot get its thoughts around it. And there is nothing so small that source energy isn't willing to get its thoughts around it. Now, are you hearing something common here? They're they're calling something source energy... And that is basically source energy in that statement by Esther Hicks is actually being deemed as God with a small g. This is the idea called pantheism, and pantheism, I've mentioned in past podcasts, is the belief that God is everything and everyone, that everyone and everything is God, small g. For example, a fish is God, a sky is God, you are God, you just don't know it. And If that is ultimate reality, what kind of God does not know their God and cannot do what God does? Or even worse, if a cow is God in an Eastern pantheistic culture, and the grass that the cow eats is God, and the milk that the cow secretes is God, it's like God eating God, God's secreting God, if you follow the logic here. What about the cow patty in the field? I, I, I use that illustration in a debate with somebody from the uh, Krishna consciousness movement, and they didn't like it, and, I, and, and obviously because it totally debunks what, what the whole idea is here. Now, I want you to understand, first and foremost, that God is not a man. Other than the person of Jesus Christ, who was fully God and fully man, according to the fact that he was virgin born, he preexisted. We didn't preexist, of course, but uh, he was virgin born. He did miracles. He did miracles, and God does miracles. Therefore, Jesus is God, and ultimately, he rose from the dead for our justification. But first and foremost, God is not man. Of course, we read this in Genesis 127 when it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is not a man that he should lie uh, or the son of man that he should change his mind, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not fulfill it? That's Numbers 23, 19. And then the word of the Lord came to me. It's in Ezekiel. It says, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God, in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God, though you think you are as wise as a God. Secondly, we are not God. Man is not God. We are not God. Our ancient ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols, and What the, and did them, those gods did them no good, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah goes on further to say, Do not make people their own gods. Yes, they are not gods. Therefore, I will teach them this time. I will teach them my power and my might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. That's, Jeremiah. That's God speaking through Jeremiah. And, of course, there are other passages, like Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6, where you get the Decalogue there. The, ne- the next one is... Uh, about meditation. Now, when I talk about meditation, I've talked about this before with uh, regards to some practices in the New Age. Eastern meditation and meditation in this context are the same thing. It's basically navel-gazing. It's looking within, emptying your mind of all thoughts, emptying yourself of everything. It is like you parking your car In downtown New York City or any busy city street, you're at a stoplight. You get out of the car and you leave the car running and you abandon your car. What's going to happen to that car? Somebody's going to jump in it and take it. Well, this is the same thing with Eastern meditation. And you don't know who's going to take your car and you don't know what will take you over in possession of what we call in the mission field demonization. Though you might not think it's that, but ultimately it is a spirit that is not of God. And please understand that this is a problem with yoga. It is a problem with contemplative prayer. It is a problem with Eastern meditation like TM. And all of these other types of Eastern meditation techniques that are very spiritually dangerous. Check it out in Joshua 1.8 and also Psalm 1.1-3. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scoffers or mockers, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on His law. What they're doing when he says, meditate on his laws, not going and saying, meditate, looking inside your belly button to find God or an ascended master. It's going and thinking upon the word of God, meditating on the word of God. And it says in Psalm 1, meditate on his law day and night that the person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Not like what the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it preachers say. And those whose leaf does not wither and what they do will prosper. And also in Psalm 119 verses 15 and 16, I meditate on your precepts. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And of course, there's prayer. And yes, the law of attraction, and pr- practitioners truly believe in the source energy. And it's not likely for them to pray because they pray is to acknowledge there's a being prayed to. That's why you'll see them practice meditation and being more, and being still. They'll, they'll be, be still more than they will pray, okay? You may find some people who do pray to the universe. Take this prayer from Gabby Bernstein, um, uh, her lead at Oprah's Super Soul Session in uh, 2017 for an example. And of course, uh, I will provide the link to that, and we can we can you can see that, but you can find that if you go to Gabby Bernstein and look at Oprah's Super Soul Session 2017, you'll be able to find how she prays, and it is totally not biblical. The Bible actually warns against prayers like these, not just because it worships a mute idol. For example, the world is so full of prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas. And prayer programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Please don't fall under this nonsense. Check out Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 about repetitive, redundant prayer. And when you pray, keep do not keep babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Next one here, you can also go, there's um, another passage also, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 in the Amplified. You can check that out. But then the fifth thing that I want to bring in here is the whole idea of my will versus God's will. And a lot of people are going and trying to find God's will. And sometimes what happens is they find themselves getting into what they call what is called their will. If you can recall Esther Hicks's quote, she said, "We are fortunate enough to be able to consciously apply our will to direct source" energy and attract what we want, as if the universe is a cosmic genie and the law of attraction is the golden lamp or the magic wand. God's word, the Bible, makes it clear that we have the ability to create plans, but God will ultimately be the one who is superior to our dreams, our wants, and our desires. You can check that out in Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Proverbs 16, verse 9, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, which is very familiar to us, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, and he will direct your path or make your path straight. And of course, you know, there's the whole idea that people like to go to Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14, but we're not in bondage. We're not going to take that passage out of context, but I know that I've seen that in there. So um, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 18 says, Rejoice always, continually pray, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. Now, if whatever you desire also aligns with God's will, nothing's going to stand in our way of being successful. However, if you really believe in the supernatural as I do, as far as Christianity being a supernatural worldview, it's, there are spiritual forces, there are evil forces that can block your access to things that you dream, desire, and want. Okay? Now, Isn't there biblical evidence that supports the law of attraction? As I mentioned before, you can absolutely make a case that the Bible supports the concept of the law that the law of attraction exists. However, you can find themes in the Bible like reaping what you sow, asking, believing, and receiving, and thinking positively, which I'll I'll, I'll, bring up and then also we can also talk about this as well. You know, there's a lot of name it claim it theology out there that is not biblical. You know, a lot of the TV preachers out there like Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and Uh, Joyce Meyer and others, those folks are believing this nonsense of name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You can speak things into existence. Uh, All for uh, a certain amount of money that you can go and get the blessing and maybe a prayer cloth like um, Ernest Angeley or whatever or, or Peter Popov or whatever. But see, that's not biblical. That's really Gnosticism. And what you really need to understand about that is that you cannot name, claim anything, but God still does answer prayer when we ask according to his will. And if you ask according to his will, we do, we do, have, that, we do have that promise. But um, there are some verses about reaping and sowing. I'll give you Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38 that says, Do not judge and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and you will, it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it it will be measured to you now there's also the whole idea of this uh, reaping and sowing in second corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 11 but I won't uh, read all of that because there's a lot there. and I, but I'll give you that passage Second Corinthians chapter nine verses six to 11. You can take a look at that, whatever good translation that you read. But Job chapter four and verse eight, as I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble will reap it. And then Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please, sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The Bible also has passages about believing and receiving. Again, um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, you also have James chapter four verses two through three. He says, "You do you desire, but do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get." On your pleasures. That's James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. And of course, Matthew 21, 21, 22, Mark 11, 23, and 24, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will garrison your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And also John fourteen verses twelve through fourteen, Job twenty two twenty eight, Mark twenty nine, uh, Mark nine, verse twenty three. Uh, Mark 11, 24, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, key phrase, according to his will, I mentioned that earlier, he hears us and if we know that he hears us, first we've got to believe that he hears us, right? Okay. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And of course, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the confidence of things we've hoped for and the assurance, key word, assurance, about what we do not see and of course Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 James chapter 1:5 through 8 and Ecclesiastes 5:18 to 20 and James 1:17 and of course there are passages even Uh, in thinking positively, for example, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing and not the removal of your mind that you may test what the will of God is that which is good, acceptable and perfect. Uh, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding that was Romans 12 too, by the way. And, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And of course you got Colossians three, verse two. We talk about demolishing arguments in Second Corinthians chapter two, verse five. Actually, that's chapter two. 10 in verse 5, and then also in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4, and then, may the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer, that's Psalm 19 in verse 14. So the question then becomes, is it okay for a Christian to participate in the law of attraction? And when I... Think about this, and I started researching this. I really wanted to find evidence because, you know, you hear preachers and you hear preachers with big churches like Joel Osteen and others that exercise this thing called the law of attraction, you know, and it's like they're professing Christians. So is it okay to Christianize the law of attraction? But we've talked about from last week and this week, and the more we search, the more the Holy Spirit through the Word of God reveals the truth that it is not okay for a Christian to participate in the law of attraction. Now, God intended us to abide in his word. Based on the Bible alone, the law of attraction does not line up with scripture. In fact, the law of attraction actually blasphemes God. Just like a lot of Christian music today that is supposedly uh, being used as worship music. That's another podcast altogether, but I'm not going to get into that. I had to throw that in there. So, what about dabbling in it? You know, even if you dabble in the law of attraction and say, oh, you know, I acknowledge there's a God and just replace the universe with God. Well, dude, dudette, you need to wake up. You're giving a dev- the devil a foothold, which is warned in Ephesians 4, verse 27. For What, what does... Righteousness and wickedness have in common. What about fellowship? Can fellowship have light with, uh, can light have fellowship with darkness? Obviously, obviously no. What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? That's 2 Corinthians chapter six verses 14 to 16. And no wonder. You know, this looks so attractive. Of course, it's called the law of attraction. But let us be reminded that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades himself as an angel of light, making himself look. You know, we think of the devil being like something on an Underwood deviled ham can or something like that with a red suit, pitchfork, and a long tail and horns. No, that is not what it's about. We're told to put on the full armor of God in chapter 6 and verses 11 to 12 in Ephesians where it says put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Folks, those are spiritual entities. Folks, you do not want a misplaced faith. And this is what is involved. When you're involved in the law of attraction, you end up with a faith that is not a biblical faith. It is a misplaced faith because those who practice the law of attraction have faith in a higher power and not the God of the Bible. It is a misplaced faith. They are not serving the God of the Bible who created the heavens and the earth. And they do not acknowledge that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sins. The universe or the source energy cannot save you. It cannot do anything for anybody who places their faith in these so-called idols. If you keep chasing enlightenment, And focusing on your own power and belief in yourself, you will never, ever feel satisfied because you know what will happen. You'll look for something else to trump the previous experience. Plain and simple. You'll never be satisfied with, and your human nature will always, always crave more. If you're tired of seeking and chasing the universal wisdom or chasing the secret, quote-unquote, that will unlock total joy and fulfillment, I want to invite you to look at Jesus. I want you to look at him through his cross and his resurrection. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me And as, a, as an atheist, when I was an atheist, I had to wrestle with that statement because either Jesus told the truth with that statement or he was a liar or he was just delusional. But nobody goes to a cross delusionally thinking and then proving it by rising from the dead. If you to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, justified, God's gavel coming down and declaring you not guilty. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of unrighteousness. What benefit did you reap from the time, from the things that you're now ashamed of? Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Those things result in Death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, bondservants of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 26. It says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who will believe. And I mean believe in, not believe that. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all that is justified freely by his grace through redemption that came through Christ Jesus alone. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, and he did it to this demonstration of his righteousness because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. But he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 26 Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19 as we wrap this thing up. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is, this is impossible, but salvation, but with God all things are possible. So if you are someone who has been practicing the law of attraction in the new age, and you want to know more about placing your faith in Jesus Christ, email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com or go to my website and check out the Get Life Now, Get Real Life link on the nav bar and find out more about how you can become a true believer. A true believer. And I know that this has gone a little bit over half an hour, but I don't care. This message is important. You folks and I, we need to understand that the law of attraction is bad juju. It is something that a believer should not be involved in and somebody that anybody should be involved in for that matter. So if you have any questions, please email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. As you go out this week, Think about what you have heard last week and tie it all together with what you have heard this week. And as you go out, you'll probably be seeing and hearing some things about the law of attraction that our society is pulling down and trying to lure people into. Do not take the bait. Do not take the bait. Because it is only a trap to self and self-absorption and ultimately to spiritual death. You've been listening again to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg as you go out next and as you go out this week, keep us in prayers. Go out and give them heaven, and Lord willing, we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.